If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you know that Black and White Sports is the largest independently owned conservative sports brand in the world? We have over 125,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 39 million views. Our episodes get more views than most ESPN programming every single day. And now we have exploded on podcast. We brought our episodes to podcast for you to enjoy at work, school, in the car, on the beach, wherever you choose to consume our audio. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. Subscribe now. Friends, let's face it. The future of America is looking worse each day. Those who are observant have the feeling that something really bad is going to happen soon. If it does, are you prepared? Do you have enough food, water, and other essentials to get you through tough times? If not, Check out My Patriot Supply. They're the nation's number one preparedness company, and they've served millions of American families. Right now, you can save 25% off their popular four-week emergency food kit, which will keep you well-fed with four weeks worth of breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks, totaling over 2,000 calories a day. This food stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage, so it will be there when you need it. In fact, you may need it a lot sooner than that. So don't wait. Go to preparewithblackandwhite.com and claim your four-week emergency food kit. You'll save 25% if you act now. That's preparewithblackandwhite.com. Don't wait. Do it today. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Javi Coffee. Javi Coffee is the way I love to start off my morning I work very, very hard for you guys to put out the best content possible. And I get my energy from Javi Coffee. Would you like to have that same energy that I have every single morning? Well, you should try Javi Coffee. And for you guys, you can actually get three bottles of Javi Coffee for only $16.95 per unit. Each bottle contains 30 servings. It will save you so much money. From going to your local coffee shop. And by the way, folks, it actually tastes even better. You can use sugar. You can use monk fruit. I'm a low carb person. I don't like the carbs. This is keto friendly. And guys, it is super easy to make. Just put water in your cup. Add one teaspoon or two teaspoons of Javi coffee. Mix it up. Use whipped cream, sugar, monk fruit, whatever. And folks, it tastes absolutely amazing. So check out the link in the description or the pinned comment and get Javi Coffee delivered to you today. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rojance for Black and White Live. Let's talk about Mac Jones and Josh McDaniels. 
As we know, Mac Jones made his debut for the New England Patriots the other day, and it had not been for Damian Harris fumbling on a running play, heading down at least bare minimum to kick a field goal, the Patriots would have won in a very daunting task by facing the Miami Dolphins. As we know, Brian Flores is a coach. He's very familiar, having come off Bill Belichick's staff. And in turn, they the Dolphins know that Patriots offense inside and out, and Mac Jones still went out there and performed very well. In my opinion, it was the best debut of all the rookie quarterbacks, uh, although Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson both flashed in their debuts as well. Zach Wilson made a couple of throws that were very, very impressive. Um, and especially, I like the fact that Zach Wilson performed well in the second half of the game. Okay, And uh, Josh McDaniels, we know the, the Patriots aren't big on praise. There were a couple of takeaways far as uh, far f- from what I could see, and I was able to glance at the all twenty two, and I will tell you that number one, you know, Mac really performed well on third down. He was eleven to sixteen on third down. That's a good indication of somebody that's going to be able to play quarterback in the league. And uh, now the one stat I could say that was a little down was around, I believe it was 6.5 yards per completion, something like that. And uh, But he was 29 for 39, something like that, for 281, no picks, and uh, a TD. So, anyway, Josh McDaniels come out and did indicate that he thinks Mac Jones is uh, going in a good direction. And just for some comparison, I went back to 01, 02, 03 Brady, which I believe is going to be the kind of Patriots team this is going to be. It's not going to be the Randy Moss um, throw the ball down the field Patriots team. This is going to be death by a thousand razor cuts, just like the old let's play defense, work the ball down the field offense that the Patriots used to run in their first uh, run of success they had winning those three Super Bowls. So, Let's get to this. This is from Patriots Wire. Josh McDaniel indicates Mac Jones is doing the right things as a leader. Mac Jones said he doesn't think he's being vocal enough with his teammates. That was one of the New England Patriots takeaways from the 17-16 loss to the Miami Dolphins in week one. But it's also clear that Jones has a habit of being too hard on himself and taking blame when it's not entirely due in his direction. No, but that's a pretty good trait to have as a quarterback. So it was interesting to hear what offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels thought about Jones' comments about ratcheting up his leadership during practices. Quote, I think as a young player, you earn the right to do that with your teammates, McDaniels said on Tuesday. And you earn it through repeated performance, preparation, and production. All something we know Mac Jones has got down. And so I think he's a very competitive guy. He wants to win at everything he's doing. He wants to perform his best every single day on every single rep. I think that's a great trait and a great great quality to have, not only as a football player, but as a human being. We're fortunate that he feels that way. I think relative pushing himself and demanding the most from himself, I think that's obviously the number one way to lead. You show everybody else that you're going to hold yourself to a very high standard and then you're going to try to bring 
others along if you see the opportunity. Jones used practice as an opportunity to display leadership just last week with Trent Brown sharing Jones had repeatedly paused practice after errors to redo the rep to make sure it was closer to perfection. Quote, I think he's a young guy. He's in his first year. It's his first season, regular season game, McDaniel says on Tuesday. I think he probably wants to improve a lot of things, which has he has room for growth and improvement, not only as a football player, but as a leader in the offensive huddle. A guy that certainly has a lot to say in terms of how we are going to play. So I think he's probably was speaking about motivating our group, specifically when he's with them to get maximum amount out of everybody, whatever it takes. We're talking about walkthrough practice, a game, a quarter, a series, a drive, a play. So I'm eager to continue to work with him in every area. Like I said, I'm excited that he certainly wasn't happy with the outcome the other day and is looking forward to preparing hard for the Jets. And look, I look for them to win that game against the Jets. I do. The Patriots have a lot more talent on offense with all the free agent acquisitions they made in the offseason than they had last year. And they got those those players back off the COVID uh, list back on defense, okay? So, look, I still think the Patriots go something like 10-7 and seven this year, and I do think they get probably around that last playoff spot. Now, I didn't see the Bills losing to the Steelers the other day which I found rather interesting. And if they play that way against the Patriots, they're going to lose. Okay? Uh, I didn't think the Patriots would have a chance to win this division. And who knows? That may be just a little blip on the radar. It's the first game of the year. And I think the Steelers' defense is going to be very good. But it's interesting, and it tells you, I believe the Patriots are going to be very competitive in that division. Okay? Okay. so, it would have been really good to have gotten that win, though, at home against Miami, a, di- a division rival. So, we'll see. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into. Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Sports. Well, the names in MMA keep getting bigger and bigger when it comes to criticism directed at the transgender MMA fighter Alana McLaughlin. McLaughlin made his... MMA debut the other night, defeating a female, a natural-born female, with a rear-naked chokehold. Now, criticism has been coming in from all over the MMA world. Several UFC fighters have gotten involved. However, now, Michael Bisbin has weighed in on this, and he is, much like the rest of us, none too happy about... uh, this ex-Army Special Forces Ranger who transitioned over to female uh, being allowed in a ring with a woman, an actual naturally born woman. And he is talking about the fact that it just should not be allowed. Now, he's probably the biggest name that has come out. Michael not only is a former UFC middleweight champion, 
but he is also an ESPN analyst for UFC. So it's going to be interesting to see if the worldwide leader in Woke will end up coming down on Michael for making these statements. But he just echoes some of what we've already said. The other thing I'm going to do is when I put this video together and we release it, I'm going to at Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis out of Florida, because sometimes I wonder if these governors like Ron DeSantis, like Greg Abbott, etc., know that these kind of things are actually being sanctioned in their state. Or maybe he's not aware of this particular situation, but I'm going to add him, maybe bring some attention to it, because I don't think the Athletic Commission in Florida should be sanctioning these kind of MMA bouts. Why? Plain and simple. It's dangerous. It's physically dangerous to women. This is from Low Kick MMA. Michael Bisbin on Alana McLaughlin, quote, it shouldn't be allowed to fight. Former UFC middleweight champion Michael Bisbing has weighed in on the transgender fighter Alana McLaughlin following her MMA debut win in Combate Global over the weekend. Whilst Bisbing says he supports transgender rights, he thinks it shouldn't pertain to the full-throttle nature of cage fighting. Bisbing, who has become one of the most prominent voices in MMA today following his retirement after losing to Kelvin Glasgow, he recently signed a multi-new year extension as a UFC analyst with ESPN, along with diving into the podcasting world. During a recent episode of his Believe You Me podcast, Bisman gave his two cents regarding transgender fighters in professional MMA amidst Laughlin's dominant start to his career. Quote, I'm not here to talk about transgender rights. You can identify as whatever you want, Bisman said. But I do believe that if you're a woman that feels trapped in a man's body, there are certain advantages you should have to give up. If you have the body of a man competing against girls or women, when you're using your body to beat someone unconscious, has to be one of the things you sacrifice. If you want to play volleyball, soccer, be my guest. But in a sport that you beat someone into submission or unconscious, it should not be allowed. It's unfair to women's MMA. Now, let me be the first to tell you, I don't agree with it in any women's sports. It's an unfair physical advantage, period. McLaughlin has come under fire after winning her debut, his debut, in Combate Global after images surfaced of her looking jacked before transitioning to a woman. Bisman and others have expressed concern regarding the integrity of allowing McLaughlin and others to compete despite still being in favor of transgender rights. Bisman continues to be one of the most prominent voices in MMA, especially on controversial issues such as uh, those regarding transgender athletes. Uh, so, when it comes to MMA, I absolutely agree with him on this, but me and him very much disagree over the fact that, look, transgender uh, transgenders that were formerly male should never be allowed to compete against any female anywhere. I mean, it's a competitive advantage. It's a physical advantage, and it just should not be allowed. They are erasing women's athletics is what's happening. It's becoming co-ed sports is what's happening. And it shouldn't be allowed. I don't care. All right? But, and it's like I said, it's going to be interesting to see if Michael takes some backlash on this 
from his overlords at ESPN. Now, we know UFC and ESPN do business together, and we know Dana White's politics and ESPN certainly don't align. And I seriously doubt. uh, I don't know. If he works for ESPN, he's liable to get called out for this, frankly. Uh, And, of course, this video is going to shed even more attention onto it. But as of right now, Michael is the biggest name that has come out and commented on this, being a former UFC champion and current ESPN analyst. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. The names are getting bigger. We're going to end up hearing from, I, I, I still believe we're going to hear from Dana White and Governor DeSantis. I'd love to hear you tweet something out on this or put something on your Facebook or something about this having gone down in the state of Florida. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, let's talk about Undisputed Skip and Shannon. We know that Shannon Sharp is a bit time Tom Brady hater. Shannon Sharp says, yeah, he's the GOAT, but he's always taking shots at Tom Brady. I mean, the way Shannon Sharp actually talked about Tom Brady, you would think that Tom Brady was some kind of a journeyman. This man is 44 years old. There's been no decline. Matt Kellerman's cliff theory makes Matt Kellerman look like a complete idiot. And guys, check this out. Tom Brady's still playing. And Max Kellerman is no longer on first take. But this video is about Shannon Sharp. He's one of the biggest ones out there. One of the biggest Brady haters out there next to Nick Wright. All Tom Brady does is be consistent, win Super Bowls, and he wins more regular season games than any other quarterback in history. And yet, no matter what this man does, he can't get his due with some of these people. Now, Tom Brady actually won the offensive player of the week. Now, guys, honestly, I forgot that they even gave out uh, this kind of recognition. I really don't care about it. But Tom Brady, he was really good. He was really good during the opening week against the Dallas Cowboys. Four touchdown passes, two pits, and neither one of those pits were his fault whatsoever. One was a Hail Mary, you know, just at the end of the half, whatever. And the other one was on the receiver. And you'll hear, well, we're not actually going to play the clip because FS1 always copyrights videos. But Shannon Sharp said Tom Brady only completed 64% of his passes. Why, you may ask? It's because at the end of the game, Tom Brady did something very, very smart. Tom Brady on first down, second down and third down, he just threw the ball out of bounds because they were already in field goal range. Why even risk it? And he engineered yet another comeback and he won on a field goal. But here we go, guys. Why Shannon Sharp has bit problem with TB12 as offensive player of the week. Not a surprise. Tom Brady could have went 20 of 20 or 40 of 40, uh, 700 touchdowns, no interceptions. And Shannon Sharp would have found some kind of way to say that Tom Brady does not deserve this recognition. It's not an award, so just call it recognition. Tom Brady led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a season-opening win 
over the Dallas Cowboys. But was the legendary QB really the best offensive player of week one? Pro Football Focus named Brady as his week one player to week winner after the 44-year-old veteran completed 32 of 50 passes for 379 yards with four touchdowns and two interceptions. In the 29-28 victory, both interceptions were not his fault, though. And even Shannon Sharp admitted the other day that neither one of those were his fault. Not everyone approves of PFF's player of the week choice, including former NFL player Shannon Sharp. He explained why on Fox Sports 1 show Undisputed earlier this week. And that's the clip right there. But Shannon Sharp had this to say, quote, I have a big problem with this. Tom Brady played well, but I don't think anybody that watched Sunday's game think that Brady played better than Colin Murray, Mahomes, Jameis and Stafford. OK, you can make a case for some of these guys. You really can. Now, he brings up Mahomes, but in that game, Mahomes, for the most part, only scored 10 points. His team was down 22 to 10. Now, granted, they did come back. But the Chiefs definitely were not solid on offense for most of that game. Let's just be real. Kyler Murray, I know he was spectacular. Jameis had um, five TD passes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he also looked good, too. But to say he has a bit problem with this, this is not a shocker because this is what the Tom Brady haters have to say. Now, here on this article, it does say Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray arguably was the best choice for this honor. He completed 65.6% of his passes for 289 with four touchdown passes, one interception and a dominant 38-13 win over a good Tennessee Titans team. Murray also ran for 20 yards and a touchdown. Now, his completion percentage was pretty much the same as Tom Brady. And at the end of the game, Tom Brady was just throwing the ball out of bounds because that was a smart play. He didn't have the yards that Brady had. Uh, he had the same amount of TD passes, and he even threw a pick here. Okay? Says you can make a strong case that the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, played better than Brady, too, and would have beaten Tampa Bay if Dallas kicker uh, Greg Zerlon was a little more accurate. Well, guess what? He didn't get the win. I mean, Dallas is my team. I didn't pick them to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nobody has. And yet, let's let's be honest about my Cowboys. They just don't beat good teams. You can't be the player of the week when you lose. You just can't. Brady wasn't a bad choice, though. With the game on the line in less than two minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, he led the Bucs on a winning drive thanks to several clutch plays. It probably won't be the last time Brady wins PFF's Player of the Week award this season either. See, Brady does what he always does. Maybe we're just so immune that we just expect Tom Brady to do, to do this. We do. He's always pretty much delivering in the clutch. After, what, 22 years now? I think a lot of people have just taken this man for granted. And Shannon Sharpman is just a complete hater on TB12. He just won't give this man any kind of recognition. Actually, he did. Because after the uh, 2016 comeback against Atlanta, he said Tom Brady was the greatest player in a 97-year history of the league. Now, in 2021, he's completely changed his mind and dropped TB12 to number three, going against his own logic back in 2016 when he said he had passed Jerry Rice 
and he had passed Lawrence Taylor. And now he's just flipped around again because this man is the biggest Tom Brady hater out there. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Sports. Well, we got a story that's come out involving the U.S. women's soccer team. You know, the woke U.S. women's soccer team. Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, etc., etc., etc. We know, you know, the ones that kneeled for the anthem. Now, I don't know who all kneeled. I just know Megan Rapino and most of the team did kneel. Well, one of the things they've been beating the drums for is equal pay. Now, look, in these women's sports, much of the pay is based on the kind of revenue you dre- uh, generate and or prize money, and then it's done on a split of that. And just being frank, a lot like the WNBA, the prize money is not the same or the revenue sharing is not the same between the women and the men because, let's be honest, the women's sports don't generate as much money to pull from. Okay, it's kind of simple math, really. But these players are ultra-woke. They've made it into a gender crisis, okay, and they're in this big public fight now. And now they're dogging out the, 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 US, the U.S. Soccer Commission that proposed the change to give them equal pay as the men Now they're saying it's a PR stunt. So let's unpack this and see where it takes us. U.S. Women's National Soccer Team Players Association U.S. Soccer's Identical Deals Proposal is a, quote, PR stunt. The United States Women's National Team Players Association on Wednesday labeled the U.S. Soccer Team Federation's offer of identical contract proposals for both the women's and men's teams as nothing more than a publicity stunt. The U.S. Soccer Federation announced its offer on Tuesday as part of an effort it said was to align women's and men's national teams under one collective bargaining agreement. That makes sense. USSF's PR stunts and bargaining through the media will not bring us closer to a fair agreement, the U.S. Women's National Team PA said on Twitter. It's always great to do your negotiations through Twitter. Yikes. In contrast, we are committed to bargaining in good faith to achieve equal pay in the safest working conditions possible. The proposal the USSF made recently to us does neither. The USSF tweeted a response back to the national team. An offer on paper of identical contracts between the women and the men's and to discuss equalizing prize money is real, authentic, and in good faith. A publicity stunt is a 90-minute one-sided movie. Wow. They took a shot at, I believe, that documentary that uh, Megan Rapino was probably involved in a while back. Speaking on Wednesday, 
Uh, forward Alex Morgan said the players were cautiously optimistic. We still need to chat about the statement given by the U.S. soccer, but any commitment to equal pay publicly is good. However, we need to look line by line at what they're actually providing because if you have equal but it's not even what we got before or to the value that we are, then we still consider that to not be good enough. You got to be very careful here because there's one uh, clear difference between the women and the men when it comes to the prize money. Okay. Uh, the U.S. women's soccer team sued the U.S. soccer's governing body in 2019 over allegations of gender discrimination and compensation in nearly every other aspect of its playing conditions. Months later, the team won a fourth World Cup as fans during the final chanted equal pay. The lawsuit, which sought $66 million in damages, was dismissed. The U.S. women's soccer team's current labor agreement expires at the end of 2021, while the men's team has been operating under the terms of a deal that expired in 2018. This is the key, guys. FIFA offered prize money of $30 million to the teams in 2019 for the Women's World Cup. While the men took home four hundred million, okay, so something that the U.S. soccer team has no control over is whatever FIFA is willing to pay. Now it should be noted, the men got a split of that overall prize money. What were we talking about a minute ago? Revenue generated. FIFA deems it worth paying out. The U.S. men's soccer team, $400 million in prize money, but only deem that the women are worth $30 million. Why? That's always going to be tied to revenue generated. Let's be real, okay? There's more interest in men's sports, generally speaking, than there is in women's sports. That's just a fact. I mean, it doesn't matter who gets offended by that. Okay, facts don't care about feelings. We know, right? Uh, and that's the issue. I mean, let's be honest. The WNBA wouldn't be around if it wasn't for the teat of the NBA subsidizing its its salaries and its league to begin with. It would fold and go uh, the way of the dodo bird. Good God. More wokeness. And it, it's funny. they these These entities go on these crusades. But when you start applying facts, the shit doesn't make sense. And you start crushing narratives. That's what happens. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Hit subscribe. Follow us on podcast. Check us out on Newsbreak, where we cover Texas sports. And go subscribe to Black and White Live, too. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.